turn your Bibles tonight to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Reading verses 14 and 15. Very familiar verses to us. And do us well to believe these things. Amen. Amen. To believe what the Bible says. There's some absolutes that are communicated here that we need to believe. If we would take these things to heart, I believe it would change us eternally. It would radically transform us to be a vessel of blessing to our community. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now turn to the gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Humanity's only hope is the gospel. Humanity's only hope is the gospel. And if the gospel is to be preached, it will be you and I that will preach it. Father, we thank you tonight for your truth. We thank You, Lord, for Your Word, Lord. We're here tonight to hear Your voice, not to hear the opinions of men, Father, but, Lord God, that You would speak. You said, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. I yield myself to You tonight, Father, and I ask You, Lord, speak to us as a people. Quicken us according to Thy Word, that we would be prepared, Father, that our heart would be rent to do Thy will, Father, we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, at all costs, I want to avoid preaching spiritual principles just for the sake of, of preaching principles without preaching right spiritual position. Amen. In other words, any man that's going to do right has to walk right with the Lord Jesus Christ. Right behavior and right spiritual motives. A right spiritual heart flows from the fountain of a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If we'll just walk with Jesus, then things will be alright. Amen? No one is going to fulfill the Great Commission simply because they're stirred up to activity. And that'd be a terrible thing for us to think after a week of meeting, that we just, you know, become stirred to act rather than to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you from the very beginning that biblical evangelism is going to cost us more than time and energy. Amen? It's going to cost us our life. It's going to cost us everything. Amen? To be the vessel that God has called us to be. We need to desire more than to be just simply stirred. We need to be changed. We need to be transformed. We need to be filled afresh with the Holy Ghost. Amen? We need to be moved by the hand of grace. We need to be constrained by divine love. And I'm here to tell you that such motivations, deep spiritual provocations and motivations, only come to those who walk closely with the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, in this hour, so many church folk, they're enamored with the how-to. They want to know, just show me some principles. How do I accomplish it instead of a focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ and who He is? I believe if we'll focus on, on Jesus, then we will take up our cross and we will follow Him. Amen? If we just knew Jesus like we ought to know the Lord Jesus Christ, 
then we wouldn't have to spend so much time convincing ourselves to obey the Bible. It would just be natural to do the will of God. It would just be natural to testify of the grace of God in our life. It'd be the normal thing, amen, for you to step outside your door in the morning and begin to preach the blessed gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It wouldn't be unusual for you to hand somebody a track or tell someone to repent. That'd be the normal outflow of a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But I do believe from time to time that God would have us to step aside, amen, to tune our heart to heaven, to listen to His voice, and to rekindle a fresh fire and a fresh zeal. As Mr. Finney said, the city is going to hell. Yes, the world is going to hell and must go on till the church finds out what to do to win souls. Now, he's not talking about learning, you know, the latest gimmick and the latest church growth fad. He's talking about an old-fashioned baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. He's talking about a fresh vision of the Lord Jesus Christ and being moved by the hand of grace. It's not talking about just learning principles or learning how to, amen. So tonight, in the very beginning of this conference, I believe the Holy Ghost wants to make our obligation real. Somebody has to preach. Somebody has to preach. Someone has to go. Multitudes and multitudes in your community and in my community are in the valley of decision. Amen. And a timid church waits inside the four walls for blind men to find a narrow path to heaven. Then it's not going to happen unless somebody go. How shall they hear without a preacher? That's an absolute. That's the say of God. That's the word of God. They're not going to hear without a preacher. They're not going to hear without a preacher. I know they say today we can wrap them in. I know they, they say we can have a little rock and roll concert. We can, you know, have a mime show, a puppet show, whatever they say. No, the Bible says nothing about that. How shall they hear without a preacher? And we need to come once again to believe the Word of God in simplicity and in power. You know, God has entrusted to us the pearl of great price. If you're born again here tonight under the sound of my voice, you've been entrusted the pearl of great price. What a lofty responsibility. Even God has led each of us to the treasure hidden in the field. Every one of us have been born from above. Freely we have received, and now freely we must give. You know that word freely, it means there must be a willingness. There must be a desire to go. Amen. There must be a yearning. There must be a passion. There must be a burden. Someone was burdened for you. Someone was willing to talk to you. Someone prayed for you. Someone wrestled with God over your soul. Someone was willing to sacrifice. Someone told you about the Lord Jesus Christ. Freely it was given to you. And now freely we are obligated to give to somebody else. We've been planted somewhere. Amen. We've been placed in a local assembly. Or uh, God has called us to a specific task or a specific purpose. And we are to freely give. We are to look to be that vessel of light and blessing that God has called us to. That has to be our heart. Amen. I can remember my wife before she was born again. She was a hairdresser. She used to do a woman's hair, you know, every week. Every other week, she was just a regular customer. And my, my wife got born again. And I don't know how, how long after, but she and I got married. And then we were in a restaurant one night. And this woman came in. My wife saw her. She said, I'm going to tell that woman about Jesus. I used to do her hair, you know, every, every week or every other week. And I just remember we always talked. And uh, it's just one of those customers that she was close to. And she went over there, I'll never forget it, and began to say, You know, ma'am, you remember me? I used to cut your hair. And she, you know, just said, Oh, yeah, I remember you, Bridget. And she said, I got born again. I got right with God. Jesus set me free. I was a wicked young lady. And you know, the, the, young, the, the woman, she looked at my wife and she said, Well, you know, Bridget, I'm a Christian. Even if she went to one of the, you know, the large charismatic churches there in town. And I, Bridget just looked at her and said, Why didn't you tell me? 
me? Why didn't you confront me? Why didn't you challenge me with the gospel? And that lady was speechless. She didn't know what to say. Listen to me. If you think that's bad, think about the day of judgment. Think about standing before the throne of God. Multitudes and multitudes we passed in the malls and in the streets and never told them about Jesus. What an embarrassing moment. What a humbling and sober moment. God has set, set us as a watchman upon the wall. Amen. We see the sword of judgment coming. We know that if a man's not born again, he's going to split hell wide open. That's a true friend. But that truth comes with responsibility. We all know that so. And if we see that sword come, and we don't blow the sound, the trumpet blast of alarm, then God's going to require the blood at the watchman's hand. Woe be unto us if we preach not the gospel. Woe be unto us if we preach not the gospel. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus said to the apostle Peter, He said, I give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt be shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, if you read that in its context, it's in the context of church discipline. Yet, I know there are deeper implications. What we bind on earth, amen, what we refuse to set free is going to remain bound. We have the key of life. We've been entrusted with the gospel. We've got the word of God. We have the truth that make men free. We must speak all the words of this life. We're going to be held accountable. We're going to be held accountable. Amen. We're going to be held accountable and we must see this. Amen. We've been entrusted with an incredible, yet an awful, and a terrifying authority. We have the power to bless and we have the power to curse. Amen. We can choose to give or we can choose to keep. We can stand in the way or we can point someone to the way. Every choice we make in life, every practical moment of the day, we're either in the Lord Jesus Christ or living outside and independent of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're either a witness or we're not a witness and nothing in between. We must choose in purpose Discipline ourselves to speak the truth in love. Amen. There's no doubt that the choices that we make in our stewardship of this gospel, it will affect our generation. I heard one preacher say that this generation of believers will be responsible for this generation of sinners. I believe that's biblical. I believe that's true. Amen. We've been sent to be a light. Proverbs 3 and 27 says, Withhold not good for them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. And we have the power. We have the authority. We have the good, so to speak. Amen. We have the gospel message. Amen. Just consider this for a moment. This is spiritual reality. Amen. We have what every single human being, past, present, and future, we have exactly what they need. We have what really no one wants. And you may say, oh, I know lots of folks that, that want the gospel. Lots of sinners. No, friend. There is not one that seeks after God. No, not one. I'm getting so sick of hearing preachers say, before I was born again, I wasn't, you know, a bad person. I loved God. No, you didn't love God. You hated God. You were a God-hater. Every person is a God-hater until they're born again. No, not one good. No, not one. How dare men say such things in the face of the Scriptures? Only the Gospel, amen, fosters and provokes an appetite in that dead sinner. Do you hear me? If you know a sinner that's hungry after God, that's pursuing God, it's because the Gospel has awakened that careless sinner. You don't hear that term too much in this hour, but the old preachers, the revivalists, they talk about careless sinners. Men that were dead to the very reality of their impending doom and damnation. And we remove such things in the Gospel that sounds the alarm that cause the sinner to awake under righteousness. The law. Amen. The cross. Amen. The judgment of God. 
those things must be preached and I hour that men would quake and tremble before a holy God. We live in a generation, amen, they boast that they have no fear, amen, and they don't have any fear of God. They have no fear of God, but there's no one to blame but the church. If there's no fear in this pulpit, there'll be no fear in that pew. And if there's no fear of God in the church, then how in the world will sinners, amen, really fear God? Listen to the when we preach the gospel. We ought to be able to take a little bit of that eternal reality, the atmosphere on the day of judgment, and make it manifest unto men when every mouth shall be stopped. Amen. When the strongest, most brazen sinners will crowd for the rocks to fall upon them and to cover them and to hide them from the face of Him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. What a new revelation for this generation. They don't believe the Lamb has any wrath. But my Bible says His eyes are as a flame of fire. Amen. His voice is the sound of many rushing waters. His countenance is the sun that shineth in His strength. Amen. He is the risen Lord, and holy men fell as dead men at His feet. He's a holy God, and all men will give an account unto Him. But we alone possess, amen, the only hope humanity has. The only hope humanity has. And if they're going to find the gospel, we're going to be that vessel. God is a limitless God that's chosen to limit Himself, and that He will use the human vessel of the church to preach the gospel. And if the, if the church won't preach, then the gospel will not be heard. If the church refuses to preach, then the gospel will not be heard. We think we live in a Christian nation. We think we're in the midst of revival. We wonder what in the world is taking place to the left, to the right, from the White House, to the county seat, from the pulpit, to the pew sin reigns. Amen. The devil mocks the very name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? The gospel is really no longer preached in America. Really no longer preached. You make no mistake about it. God wants His voice to be heard. God wants to speak. He wants to speak. I remember Brother Charlie, when I first met him, he was a young man just got born again on the campus of Richmond, University of Richmond. And we went in and preached a series of meetings and fellowshiped with him. And you could just see the hand of God upon him. And I remember after a meeting one night, I said, Son, you're called to preach. What you need to do, you need to go out on that campus. And you need to find yourself a bench. You need to find a place, amen, in that open air. And you need to climb up on that bench. And you need to lift your voice. And you need to preach the gospel. Well, you know, he said, I never knew there were so many benches on the, on the campus of Richmond as, as when you said that. Amen. Every day, I won't pass. I never knew there was a bench, but there they were. Everywhere was a bench. Amen. And God began to deal with him. But you know, he was hesitant to go. And I can't remember exactly if he had a dream or he had a vision or a revelation. But he saw as it were. Some of you may think this is blasphemous, but he saw as it were God, David, God's mouth covered with, you know, duct tape. And the Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, if you don't yield yourself to me, if you don't give me your mouth, I have no voice on this campus. I have no voice on this campus. Amen. It brought him to repentance. And he went and preached the gospel. It's the same with you. It's the same with me. We're in a community. God wants to speak. He wants to interject His thoughts, His minds, and His words in the daily activities of those we mingle with. We must be obedient. We must see that it's the Word of God that sets the captive free. We must speak it. We must declare it. We must proclaim it. We must, we must, we must go. Amen. God wants us to speak. How shall they hear? That word here means to be noised abroad, to be reported, and to be made to understand. And that sinner is going to have an opportunity to understand. If that sinner is going to have an opportunity to hear the word of God, then you and I are going to have to speak. That's the only hope for America. The only hope for our community, the only hope for any individual is the gospel 
of the Lord Jesus Christ and fit to be delivered in an old-fashioned biblical way through a holy vessel submitted to a holy God preaching a holy gospel anointed by the Holy Ghost and fire. It must be that way. You know, when the church wasn't just so sophisticated, when she just rested in the simplicity which is in Christ, that's when she garnered the greatest power and the greatest influence with her generation. They may have mocked her. They may have belittled her. Amen. But men couldn't stand before that gospel. It cut them down as a flaming sword. Amen. It brought them to their knees to the revelation of a holy God. You know, when we speak uh, to men about the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're really anointed of the Holy Ghost, then we're going to leave them, I always say, with two impressions. Number one, there is hope. No matter what you've done, how far you've been, amen, what sins you've committed, there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the second impression is this. There's absolutely no hope without Him. It's either Christ or die. It's Christ or hell. Amen. It's be set free from sin and be washed in the blood or burn forever in eternal hell. There is no mistaking. It must be black or white, horror cold, heaven or hell. We must preach Christ is alive. Jesus is soon to return. Where is the church that speaks under the power of the Holy Ghost? God wants to raise us up in this hour. Amen. We read our text here. There's two unchanging absolutes. God desires to speak. And the sinner needs to hear. That's not going to change, friend. God's not going to change his mind. He wants to speak. Sinners always need to hear God. If there's any sifting, shifting element in our gospel equation, it's found in you and I. But I'm here to tell you, any man... That what any man that walks in the love of Christ, any man that walks with Jesus, will be about his master's business. The Bible says of Jesus, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I'm here to tell you tonight, everybody that he lives in and reigns in does exactly the same. Every single man that he lives in and reigns in. Amen. Every person that's submitted to the Lordship of Christ has a burden for souls. It says in Romans 13 and 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another. He that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. That's the great motive of the gospel. There's a lot of false love in this hour. Men want tolerance. They don't want love. There's a vast difference between the love of God and the tolerance of God. God never tolerates sin. God's never had mercy on sin. Not one moment has He ever had mercy on the flesh. No, He declares death upon it. But He will have mercy upon that sinner. That will repent and turn unto him. Romans 1, 14 through 16, the Apostle Paul said, I'm a debtor, both to the Greek and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. Do you hear it? I'm a debtor, but I'm a debtor to preach. I must preach. I must declare. I must be the vessel that God has called me to be. Amen. God will speak, and the sinner will hear, but he'll only hear if God's body will cooperate. Amen. If God can find a mouthpiece that will speak. You know, Brother John Duncan sits right here on the front row. If you want to hear John Duncan's voice, you're going to have to go to his body. Amen. You say, well, I can call him from Nebraska or Virginia or wherever, and I can talk to him on the phone. Yes, but his voice is still coming out of his body. Amen. And if God is going to speak in this hour, he's going to speak through his body. If God is going to be heard, then the mouthpiece of God must speak. If God is going to be seen, then he's going to be seen in his body. I've never seen John Duncan outside of his body. I see him in his body. With the body of Christ, is Jesus is going to be seen. He's going to be seen and heard through us. But that's the only way. You know, when we lose sight of that, we just suppose that sinners are somehow going to come in by osmosis. They're just going to somehow stumble, uh, you know, onto the things of God. Absolutely not. Do you know that sinners are lost? They're lost. Amen. It's Christ that pursues sinners. And it's Christians that pursue sinners in the name of Jesus Christ to the glory of God. 
somebody's got to pursue. Amen. Think, where would you be if someone didn't pursue you? Think about it. Think about the people that God put in your path. I know some of you were raised in church, but you still had vessels. Faithful vessels that were willing to speak. Willing to, willing to sacrifice. Willing to jeopardize their relationship with you. Because what you have to tell sinners oftentimes, usually, most of the time, is not what they want to hear. I'm not called to convince men that I love them. I'm only called to love them. Amen. And if I love someone, they're not going to always think that I love them. I've got to give men what they need, not what they want. That's what the problem is in the church in this hour. We try to give men what they want instead of what they need. That's not love. It's hatred. It's cold-blooded, calculated, self-centered hatred because we want to be at ease. We want to be, you know, receive the approval of the world. You cannot please men and please or serve Christ at the same time. You must walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. And if you follow Christ, the world will hate you. The world will hate you, misunderstand you. That's the real challenge of faith. It's the real challenge of love. To love men in spite of what they think about you. To love them in spite of the misunderstanding. Though they cry in one accord, you're mean-spirited. You're judgmental. You're holier than thou. That's not our heart. That's not our motive. Our motive is first to glorify God. And second, then somebody would hear this gospel to God. That when I stumbled out of a bar room in the world, lost and on my way to hell, that one Christian would have confronted me. Brother Britt, how many did? Not one time. Not one time. Drunk, dealing drugs. Hound drugs, living a life of a whoremonger and a devil, a liar, a thief. Not one time did a Christian confront me in my sin. Where was the church to love me in my hour of need? I remember I met a preacher, brought a man to church. I was so full of the devil, but I read in the Bible every night. I was going to try to win him to Jesus. I brought him to some preachers. He's smoking all my dope. I thought maybe I could. He's living with me. Maybe they'd take him in because I wanted to get rid of him. So I brought him to some preachers. I remember I sat down the first hour. I told him, listen to me. I'm a Christian. Don't you tell me I'm not. I was anything but a Christian. They looked at me. They never said a word to me. They never confronted me. They never dealt with me. I remember I went to the house one night, preacher's house. And I, I got a cigarette in his house. He got me an ashtray. And you know, if you would have told me, listen to me, I'm a Christian. Don't smoke in here. I love you. You need to be born again. Jesus will set you free from that. I may have hated it, but I can tell you what I liked him then. But when I came into the light, when I came and listen to me, truth is vindicated in the light. Sinners may approve of us now, but on the day of judgment, wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth, I remember I wasn't saved a day and a half. And I thought, why didn't somebody love me enough to tell me the truth? I almost died and went to hell and no one confronted me. No one was willing to stop me. No one was willing to cross a line for me. No one was willing to deal with my heart. I said, I'm going out to that highway. I'm going out to that byway. I'm going to do for somebody else what somebody never did for me. I'm going to preach this gospel. Someone has to go. If we don't go and listen to me, you say, who am I? What can I do? You just need to be willing to go. And God can use you. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. And God can make you a bright and a shining light in the midst of a crooked and perverted generation. Amen? We must go. We must preach. We must declare. Amen? Everybody that follows Christ has such a burden for the lost. And if they don't hear in this hour, if they hadn't heard in hours past, if they don't hear in the future, it's the church that's going to have to give an account. I'm not going to say, well, we put a Gideon Bible in their hotel room. Why didn't they read it? The Jews had a Bible. Amen. And God said, I'm going to put on flesh. The Bible said, I'm going to put on flesh. And I'm going to walk among them. Amen. That Bible has to put on flesh. That Bible has to put on flesh and blood. Has to walk. It has to talk. Amen. We are the epistles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're written not with ink. Amen. But in the fleshly tablets of the heart. We are the manifestation of God. We're not Christ. And I'm not saying that. But we're a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. By virtue of His life in us. And if He's to be known in this hour. We must know Him. And let Him be known.
It's our obligation and our call. Amen. How shall they hear? See, preaching is necessary. And that's the next point in our verses here. How shall they hear? Without a preacher, that completes the thought. And you know, that's the conclusion of God. How shall they hear without a preacher? That's God's mind. That's God's opinion. That's not popular. I'm telling you, up and down the church world, in the most conservative churches, they no longer believe this. They no longer believe it. They believe it's something that, oh, you know, invite someone to church. Nothing wrong with inviting someone to church. Invite as many people to church as you can. But I believe Brother Charlie and I were talking about it one day. I believe he looked through the Bible. And I believe I'm safe in saying this. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Not one time did Jesus or the apostles invite someone to a church service. They went out and they preached the gospel. Nothing wrong with someone coming to church. Amen. Don't misunderstand me. But we need to go to the Bible once again. We need to do things according to the Word of God. You know, this irrefutably establishes, amen, that preaching is a necessity ordained by God to communicate the gospel message. You're not going to sing the gospel. You're not going to mind the gospel. Amen. You're not going to, you know, do any other thing but preach it. And that's the only divine way that God is going to bless it. You say, I know so-and-so that God saved, uh, you know, do a hearing this or do, I believe God saves people in spite of things that are unscriptural, not because of them. I know some folks got saved while they were Catholics, had to come out of the Catholic Church. I don't make the Catholic Church right, amen? Maybe they got saved in spite of that Roman whore, amen? Amen. Preaching has to be narrowly defined by the Word of God and the examples of holy men contained therein. I want you to understand this tonight. You begin in Genesis. You'll find Enoch. You keep turning, amen, to the right. And you'll fall all the way to Malachi. And John the Baptist, every one of them as far as I can tell, were open-air preachers. Every one of those Old Testament prophets, many of the patriarchs and kings, they declare the truth of God in the open air. You look at Jesus Christ Himself and the argument sitting right there. The master evangelist, amen, had never held an organized meeting, but He went into the highways and the byways, the temple courts, even by the rivers, by the streams, on the side of mountains, out of the side of ships, and He lifted up His voice and preach the gospel. He was an open-air preacher. Every one of those apostles, every last one of them was an open-air preacher. It's not an option, friend. It's the Bible. We must go. We must preach. It's the Word of God. We don't believe it anymore. We don't believe it. There's no apology for that. It's the truth. Amen. Someone says, well, you're called to do that. We're all called. Every one of us. You may not do it exactly like I do it, but every local church, I don't mean a change really in method or a change in message, but a change perhaps in office, amen, or gifting. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? But every local church ought to be involved in biblical evangelism. Every local church, and if they're not, they're rebelling or they're ignorant against the Great Commission. That is the Word of the Lord. Amen. That is the Word of the Lord. Amen. God asks us tonight. He poses to us a very searching question. How shall they hear without a preacher? Amen. You notice God doesn't wax mystical and spiritual and suggest we just leave it to the Holy Ghost and He will deal with the poor little sinner. Just leave the sinners alone and let the Holy Ghost deal with them. Friend, I'm here to tell you, that's not the Bible. It's not the Scriptures. Amen. It's not the pattern of the Word of God. The Word of God declares that the ministry of the Holy Ghost to the church is one of comforter, one of interpreter, one of teacher, and one of God. 
Amen. But that sinner has absolutely no relationship with God. He's dead to the voice of God. He's anything but led by the Spirit, and he's dead to the unseen world. Jesus said this, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. The only ministry that the Holy Ghost has to this world is mentioned in John 16 and 8. And when He's come, He will prove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now you just think about that for a moment. This is a little side note. Amen. Men declare the anointed of the Holy Ghost, but you never hear preaching against sin. You never hear of the judgment of God. You never hear of holiness. Friend, that's not anointed of the Holy Ghost. If it's anointed and led by the Spirit of God, they're going to preach against sin. man just recently said in the prison, came after, after me when a priest, he said, a man that preaches judgment all the time is not of God. So the Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a discerner, a judger, that judges the motives and the thoughts of the heart. I can't remember the last time that I picked up the Bible that I didn't see a finger coming out of there pointing at me. Amen. It judges the motives and the intents of our heart. And I don't want to hear no preaching that doesn't expose what I am and who I am. I don't want to hear that kind of preaching, friend. You say, well, doesn't the Holy Ghost come to deal with that world? When did He come? He came on the day of Pentecost. And where did He go? He inhabited a vessel called the church. Oh, the Holy Ghost is going to deal with men, but only through the vessel of the church. How's the Holy Ghost going to deal with them? He's going to deal with them through the preaching of the gospel. You think about it for a moment. The Bible declares it came suddenly like a mighty rushing wind. Could any of us doubt the grace, the power, the authenticity of that move of God? None of us would. But look in the streets of Jerusalem. Amen. There's absolutely no evidence that that world is keen, that they're conscious of any guilt of sin. In fact, they begin to mock and belittle. It wasn't until Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, stood up and began to preach the Word of God that the Bible says the herd and the horse were preached. That is the truth and that is the pattern. Somebody has to speak. If anybody would have been convicted merely by an abstract move of the Spirit of God, it would have been on the day of Pentecost. But he had himself a preacher ready to declare the Word of God. Amen. Amen. In fact, we need to know this. That in this hour, no matter how God moves, no matter how intense the Spirit is poured out, God still must have a preacher. All the miracles Jesus would have performed. Marvelous, great, brought glory to God. But if He had never preached, if He had never opened His mouth to declare the truth, then it had been for Neil. He had to declare. He said, The Lord has anointed me to preach the acceptable year, to preach the tidings, preach the gospel, to set the captive free. Amen. That is our call. Preaching is a necessity. I like this quote here by Catherine Booth. She's the wife of the founder of the Salvation Army. One of the greatest movements that God ever raised up in in the slum houses and streets. Amen. And I believe this is a wonderful quote. You've probably heard me quote this before. If you hadn't, it's so good it won't bother you. Amen. To hear it again. She said, Oh, people say, you must be very careful, very judicious. You must not thrust religion down people's throats. Then I say, you'll never get it down. What? Am I to wait till an unsaved, all my unconverted, ungodless men, man wants to be saved before I try and save him? He will never want to be saved till the death rattle is in his throat. What? Am I to let my unconverted friends and acquaintances drift down quietly to damnation and never tell them about their souls until they say, if you please, I want you to preach to me. Is this anything like the spirit of early Christianity? Amen. That's the truth, friend. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of old, backslidden, dry, crusty, amen, lukewarm individuals in the church. 
They carry around an old wet blanket. And they got wisdom from the devil. Amen. They've got wisdom that's sensual and devilish and earthly. Amen. Let me tell you something. Next time that one of those men come up to you in the church and say, Son, let me pull you aside. You're not going to do anybody any good by beating somebody over the head with the Bible. Let me just give you a little wisdom here. You need to just let the Holy Ghost deal with people. You say, Sir, with all due respect, the Bible says, How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? It's the Word of God. Don't be ashamed of it. That's the devil. You hear me? The Holy Ghost didn't say that. The Holy Ghost said, How shall they hear without a preacher? That's what the Holy Ghost said. Amen. You think about those apostles in Acts chapter 5. They're misunderstood. They're thrown in jail. Everybody hates them. There's a big tumult. You know the Bible says there, how shall they hear? That word here, we read the definition in the Greek. It means to understand. How many times have I had people come to me on a street corner and said, No, brother, brother, calm down. Let me talk to you. You can't, you can't preach to sinners like this. They don't understand. No. Amen. They don't understand. That's why I'm preaching to them. So they will understand. How shall they understand without a preacher? Preaching is the solution. Not the problem, friend. That's the solution. Well, those men in Acts chapter 5, they're thrown in jail and they're taking the wisdom of the current church that have packed their bags up and went home to pray, to pray down a greater anointing that they've been accepted by the world. But the angel of the Lord came and stood by him, opened the prison door, and he said, Go, stand, speak all the words of this life. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Don't be ashamed. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of you. Amen. Listen to me. There's a lot of people that want to quench the fire of the Spirit of God. They say, oh, that zeal without knowledge. No, that's when you're born again and you're right with God. There's a zeal that causes you to speak. You remember when you were first born again? They told you, you need to quiet down. You need to calm down. You'd preach to a light pole. You couldn't help yourself. That's what we need. There's a church that can't help itself. Now, there's some things I needed to learn when I was a young Christian. But for the most part, my zeal to evangelize, it was God. And it was pure. I didn't understand it at an early age, but most of the older individuals that spoke to me and spoke against that, it's just because they had no light themselves. And it was exposing their death. It was exposing their lack of courage to speak the truth in the face of opposition. You know, George Whitfield, perhaps one of the greatest open-air preachers ever to live, when he was an old man, he went to one of those old Methodist conventions, and he spoke this to the young preachers. He said, there are few who like to go out into the fields. Broken heads and dead cats are no longer the ornaments of a Methodist. These honorable badges are now no more. Languor has got from the ministers to the people. And if you don't take care, we shall all be dead together. Ye Methodists of many years standing, show the young ones who have not the cross to bear, as we once had, what ancient Methodism was. Oh, that comes out of the mouth of a revivalist. Do you hear me? That comes out of a man's mouth who saw sin slain in a generation because he was obedient to the call to declare the Word of God. Amen. We live in an hour that can't even convince a generation that sodomy is a sin. Amen. You ought not listen to all the backsliders. Go back to the Word of God. Go back to the old landmark. Go back to the way of truth. Go back, amen, to that riches that are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last thing here tonight, preachers must be sent, amen, and they must be willing to go. They must be sent. How shall they preach except they've been sent? And I want you to notice that sending and preaching go hand in hand. As they read, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now I want you to hear this. Jesus was sent by the Father. And then the apostles were sent 
by the Lord Jesus Christ. The important thing for us to note here tonight, amen, is that Jesus answered the call to go. He came. He preached. Amen. And therefore, He is now being trusted and given the authority to send. And God never intended for that pattern to be broken. Amen. Jesus said in that great commission, you go, you preach, but you also teach. You teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. Now, when we think about teaching in this hour, we think about a little formal, you know, setting with a man speaking and I believe that that is teaching. But teaching is much more than that. Amen. It's demonstration and it's example. Jesus brought those apostles out with him. Those disciples. Amen. He lay left the fishing net. They went right with him. Amen. Out there under the hillsides. And they watched practical ministry. Amen. Second Timothy 2 and 2. The apostle Paul admonished the young preacher. Said, commit thou these things to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Open air preachers breed. Open air preachers. Open air preachers breed. Why is no one going? Because no one has gone. Do you hear me? Amen. Then now why is no one being sent? Because the last generation didn't go. Amen. It's got to start with somebody. Somebody who's got a conviction. I hadn't been saved that long. Only 17 years. I've said this many times before. But if I ever quit going on the street, friend, I don't care if a pastor church of 5,000 people, I'm backslid and on my way to hell. I'm backslid and on my way to hell. God told me to go. You hear me? God told me to go. Amen. And I've been convinced of that ever since He told me. And I must go. I must go. I hear that voice every day, every hour. It beats in the bosom of my soul. Go. 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 Lift up your voice like a trumpet and preach the gospel. We must go. We must preach. We must be diligent. Amen. God never intended for that pattern to be broken. Amen. When all things are in order, in the Great Commission, the sending, the going, the preaching, then that commission perpetuates itself. Oh, yes, sir. It will. If you get a pastor going on the street, the whole church will go. The whole church will follow him right out there. You won't have to beg and plead with people. Amen. We have a prayer meeting on, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning. You're going to have to come. Amen. We're going to be praying. Just come and pray. What if I don't? Well, something's wrong with you. Amen. You need to get right with God. We're going to be going out as a church. We're going to... And people get raised up. And that little bitty fire, it'll be like pouring gasoline. Amen. You take that young Christian in the street. I've got to say it. God never puts a sword in a man's hand until he goes out to battle. Men sit in a room, amen, with the air condition on and try to learn the Bible and never practice the Bible. Amen. You can't learn that Bible unless you do that Bible. He that doeth my will, he shall know the doctrine. When I was a young Christian, I went on the street. I didn't know anything. Jesus is coming back. What about smoking? I don't know. You need to be born again. Amen. What about this? What, I don't know. But I'd go home that week and as I'd read my Bible, that scripture would jump off the page. Amen. And God would teach me. He'd show me the principles of the Word of God. That's the way to learn the Bible. Amen. By doing the Word of God, walking in truth, and God raise you up as a vessel of blessing to go and to preach. Amen. You know, when we don't have that in the church, it's a result of ignorance and a result of rebellion. But we've got to be willing. How beautiful are the feet. How beautiful. How in God's eyes. Amen. No, we're going to go out to LSU. We'll go down to downtown Baton Rouge. And they, they're not going to call us beautiful. That's the last thing they're going to do. They're not going to think anything, much less our feet, are beautiful. No, no, they're not going to like it. But God says, oh, it's a glorious thing. It's a marvelous thing. It's written, how beautiful the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know why it's beautiful to God? Because it's obedient. It's walking in the path. Feet that walk in the narrow path of righteousness. Feet that trod the narrow path of the martyrs. Amen. That follow the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and the apostles to do the will of God. That's why it's beautiful and that's why it's glorious. The first step in fulfilling the Great Commission is not ability. It's not talent. It's not technique. It's willingness. The commission says we must go. And go is a verb. It constitutes action. Amen. You know the great emphasis in this hour is to attract the sinner to visit church. Amen. We want the sinner, amen, to come and pursue us. The seeker-sensitive movement which is spawned out of the pit of hell. And I wouldn't give a proud nickel for any of them that preach it. It's demonic. Amen. And it's sickening. I tell people all the time, if that's Jesus, I'm sure enough not saved. Because the Spirit that set me free from drugs, and the Spirit that set me free from alcohol, and the Spirit that set me free from perversion, and blasphemy, and a myriad of other sins, I know that Spirit. He lives inside of me. And that Spirit inside of me utterly hates that. And I'm not lying about it. Do you hear me? If that's right, I'm not right with God. Because I do hate it. I didn't say I hated the people. But I hate the movement. And I hate the Spirit. Because it dishonors the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm provoked by a Spirit from within. And I believe it's the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. God never intended for that whirling and that sinner to have to knock on our door. Now ask us, do you think God says it's all right? But that's what they have to do. There's a strip joint in Woodville. No, God told me to go and tell him it's wrong. And God hates it. He'll save you out of it. But he hates it. That's his mind. Who will rise up against the workers of iniquity? Two calls in this evangelistic, you know, calling. Two elements. And that is to be sought. And to be light. Salt and light. When Jesus cleansed that temple, friend, amen, it wasn't for love for that Pharisee. It was for the love of God. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Every evangelistic effort that's honored of God, that possesses eternal virtue, is motivated by love. But sometimes it'll be the love of God. A jealousy for God. This is wrong. It can't be. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine, amen, that challenges the army? of the living God. Where is the holy anger? Is there not a cause in this hour? North, east, west, and south, the devil rises up and challenges us to speak. Will we speak? Will we speak? They're not ashamed of what they do. They march in the streets. Amen. They're not ashamed of their sin. You weren't ashamed of your sin when you were a sinner. Neither was I. I boast about it every Monday. What I did on Saturday and Sunday, I wasn't ashamed. Amen. Never ashamed of the devil. Why should I be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ? We've been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile the world unto God. Now notice that. Not reconcile God unto the world. The world's going to have to change. Not God. Nothing wrong with God, friend. Amen. That world's going to have to change. Going to have to fit this mold if you're going to get right with God. But that is the ministry that we're called to. We're ambassadors for Christ. That American ambassador to Egypt. He cannot fulfill his life's calling in New York City. He must go. Amen. He must go. He's sent and he must go. He must reside where he's called to. So we've got to be willing to go. And if we'll go, he'll teach us how. He said, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. You know what, in closing, one time I was just meditating on fishing. And I thought about Jesus twice in the Gospels. He told those fishermen. He promoted a form or a mode of fishing in the natural. He said, cast your net in the water. Never said throw a line in there. Never said, why don't you take a hook and put it in the water. No, he said, you take a net and put it in the water. I think that's significant. Why is that, Brother Brett? Amen. Because fishing with a hook is meant to deceive. But fishing with a net is meant to overpower. Do you hear me? That net, amen, when you put that net in the water, that spoke something to every single fish in that Red Sea. Every time we see that net, they're not trying to hide nothing on us now. They're getting ready to try to overtake us. 
Everybody gets caught in that net, yanked out of this world, and they never come back. Amen. We better, if you want, if you don't want to go where that net's going, you better get out of the way. Listen to me. God never cloaks His word. God never obscures the cross. Amen. On the cross to following the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to face, feast by this gospel net. Amen. This hour they use a hook and they use bait to deceive the sinner. They're going to answer to God. They're going to answer to God. Oh, no. We don't preach. Amen. Deceitfully. We don't handle the Word of God deceitfully. But we speak plainly. Amen. In the sight of Almighty God, we speak the Word of God with power. In simplicity. In truth. Under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. How shall they hear without a preacher? Amen. How shall they hear? We're going to have to go. We're going to have to answer the call. Stand with me tonight. Amen. Brother James, why don't you come? Hallelujah. Just lift your hands to heaven and thank Him. Oh, just love Him tonight. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Humanity's only hope is the gospel. Humanity's only hope is the gospel. You know, some may say, well, you know, this is a call for something very radical, perhaps fringe theology. But you know, I looked last night on the internet and I looked under the Moravians. Found something very interesting. If you don't know about that movement, it began in the 1700s. Great revival of God. Hundreds of missionaries sent out. Spawned a hundred year prayer meeting for souls. They had six points of theology. I want to read those to you tonight as we begin to pray. Says they believe that the sole purpose of the church's existence was to train and to send out laborers into the harvest fields of the world. This affected almost every area of church life. Number two, they believed that each individual Christian's calling in life was to work for the church toward evangelism of the world. Number three, they believed their obedience to the Great Commission was part of their adoration of the Lamb. Thus the phrase they had known for the king, may the Lamb that was slain receive the rewards of his suffering. Number four, they believed that any church that was destitute of the spirit of missions was dead. We think missions, we think overseas. That includes everywhere. Amen. It means evangelism. They also believed any disciple that was not busy in the work was apostate. Think about it. They believe that a hot and a fervent love for Christ is a normal Christian life. That this perspective sustained the fires of evangelism. And lastly, they believe that suffering was part of the cross that Jesus called his carbon to bear. That was part of their identification. This is not a call to some fringe movement, fanaticism, a call to New Testament Christianity. Amen. Why don't you come? Why don't you come and pray? Let's consecrate our souls afresh. We live in a community. We've been placed among the people. God may not be talking to you tonight about the students at LSU on the streets of Baton Rouge, but He is talking to you about some sinner somewhere that cannot hear unless you speak. There's a man somewhere in the shadows tonight. There's a woman somewhere in the shadows tonight. If you don't speak, how shall they hear? How shall they hear? Oh, Jesus, touch us tonight. Who wants your burden? I believe that's what you want to do tonight. Break our hearts. Grant us a fresh day today to be obedient to face the Lord of God. Seek your church as we say. Don't keep to surrender.